0: If you had one last lecture or teaching to offer, what would it be? Again, if you had one last lecture or teaching to offer, what would it be? The last lecture has been a fixture in academic circles for retiring professors. It is an opportunity for a teacher to offer pearls of wisdom to generations of students and to colleagues. Fifteen years ago, Randy Pausch offered his last lecture at Carnegie Mellon University. This brilliant native, of course he'd be brilliant because he's from Baltimore, creator of a software project that simplified computer animations using C3D technology, co-founder of CMU's Entertainment Technology Center, and wannabe Disney Imagineer delivered his last lecture At the young age of 46, he discovered that he had limited time on earth because of a terminal pancreatic cancer diagnosis. With his three children, wife, numerous colleagues and students on his mind, Randy Pausch shared his life experiences with great joy, encouraging everyone that could hear him to face the stark reality of death and all turmoil by asking deep questions and digging deeper into life. In the art of teaching, Seasoned educators like Pausch use a variety of effective strategies to enable students to discover truth. One such strategy is the use of a prompting question. These questions are sometimes used to stimulate the recall of prior knowledge, promote comprehension, and build critical thinking skills. Teachers ask questions to help students uncover what has been learned, to comprehensively explore the subject matter, and to generate discussion. Asking these questions is all about the discovery of truth. Today in our Gospel, we have a prompting question initiated by John the Baptist. This question is not asked for himself. Rather, John asks this question for the sake of those who are under his tutelage in their pursuit of truth. The gospel today is John's last lecture to his disciples, and he sets it up so that they will go into the field and experience the truth in their interaction with Jesus the Christ. His prompting question asked in the voice of his students, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Are you Jesus the Messiah? Allow me to give you some context here. John the Baptist is in prison. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark are pretty clear that the local ruler had him arrested and imprisoned. The crime? John the Baptist spoke truth to power, and he condemned the king's illegitimate marriage. And while in prison, as with many things royal, there was a lot of drama. And Herod's stepdaughter asks for the head of John the Baptist to be placed on a silver platter, all of this as a reward because she had captivated the king through an alluring and provocative dance. And so John the Baptist recognized that his time is limited and that each breath that he takes could be his very last breath. And so he prepares his students to face the prospect of a new life, a life without him in the mix. He sends them out into the field for their lesson, for their practical experience, and so that they can meet Jesus. Remember, John the Baptist does not need to hear the answer. He already knew the answer. He knew it when he was six months old in his mother's womb, when his aunt Mary came to visit his house and she bore she had Jesus, the child, in her stomach, and in encountering Jesus in his, in his mother's very womb, he kicked as a way of announcing the coming of the Lord. Remember, also, when Jesus was baptized, just as Jesus came up from the water, suddenly the heavens opened up, and John bore witness to see the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus as a dove, and to hear the words, "'This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased.'" Yet now, in his role as a teacher, John the Baptist, Someone who is charged with the care of those who trusted him. He had a responsibility to point his students to a higher truth. A higher truth in his last lecture. Friends, allow me to suggest that as Christians, A mark of our discipleship involves a form of teaching and molding those we have within our sphere of influence. For some of us, it's in the context of school, in work, in religious or in family life. And in our interactions, we are engaged in one form or another of imparting knowledge. And as we acknowledge that we do this, I do want to call in mind that Christmas is not the same as it was three years ago. Now, just as an aside, a few of us have been gathering over the past eight weeks from around the world over Zoom to reread Sophocles' tragedies. You know, we read uh, Oedipus Rex, Oedipus Colonus, and we're on Antigone. We meet every Monday as a form of developing community. And we decidedly chose to opt into reading the tragedies, recognizing that life is not the same. And sometimes we are mired and mixed in, in such great tragedy over what has happened over the past two and a half to three years. Now some of us continue to mire and, 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 and feel the sorrow and the pains of death in rereading the tragedies. And there are some of us who with the hope of Christ try to grasp on to the hope that Christ's peace offers us. What amazes me today about the Gospel is that John the Baptist and in my early example, Randy Pausch, they all had this deep sense of peace as they delivered their last lectures. Facing the prospect of death, they both clung on held on to that peace, the peace that passes all understanding. And it is from that sense of peace that they offer their greatest lesson to the students. So yes, while Advent is about preparing for the coming of the Lord, and while, yes, it is a joyous occasion, we go about doing this to prepare ourselves to be transformed by that peace and by that hope. And it is only when we encounter that life's deepest meaning is not in ourselves. And yes, there are tragedies. Yes, there are difficulties in life. Yet we grasp onto a higher truth, a truth that peace will overcome us and enable us to recognize the realities of pain, the realities of death. And no that life on this earth is not the end. Whether it's Randy or John the Baptist, having that sense of peace during this Advent season is perhaps worthy of our reflection. Let me offer you these words from uh, the Liturgy of St. James, which was written in West Syriac. And which has been something that i have been praying with during this season if the prayer goes like this and i and this is a rough Minod translation of this prayer uh, so for the scholars of syriac this may not be properly correct but this is how the prayer has has inspired me the prayer goes like this make us all worthy o lord of the good end that is set for all children of peace. Make us worthy, O Lord, of the good end that is set for all children of peace. You know, it's actually that phrase from the St. James liturgy that inspired the opening of our Compline service. You know, the Lord Almighty grant us a a peaceful night and a perfect end. The reason why both liturgies have those words is a recognition that as we pray those words, it could be the very last time that we offer those prayers. If those prayers do not further, they, they, they do not just, just keep us in the state uh, of sadness, there's a sense of peace that those prayers push us towards, pushing us towards the eternal hope of life in abundance in Jesus. So beloved in Christ, for the next 14 days of this Advent season, I'm going to leave you with three prompting questions in my role as your priest and teacher. What will be the last lecture that you will lead? How are you preparing yourself for that lecture? And to whom and to what will your life point to when you leave this earth?